All right, what's up, Dean? We're recording. Awesome. Awesome, Josh. What's up with yeah. you, man? No, I'm good, man. Uh, just did the whole early Christmas thing with the family. I finally kicked everyone out of the house, and I can fart, use the bath, you know, all that <laughs> shit you, you want to do. And, you know, yeah. but, uh, um, you know, I, I'm happy to have you on. Um, I've been listening to your, your podcast uh, for you know, a while now. Um, probably about a year about a year and a half when you know, about the time i was getting ready to buy my first kayak uh if you don't mind why don't you just go ahead and just introduce yourself real quick yeah so uh you know my name's dean lim i kayak fish a lot um i'm one of the hosts of the yak tactics podcast i'm on a i'm on the feel free kayaks fishing team um let's see what else do i got been fishing a long time uh, definitely a lot of trout fishing in my life, but I'm I'm definitely a multi-species guy. So that's pretty much me in a nutshell. Um, I was in the Navy for a while. I own my own business, and uh, you know, just doing all that stuff. Wife and kid. Right. You got, a, you got you got you got a new one, right? You got a, a yeah. Young yeah. She's a year and a half. Yeah. So uh, you're a business owner. You own a CrossFit gym, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, we we were a CrossFit gym for like, I mean, I've owned that thing since September of 2011. We started out as a CrossFit gym, and then we kind of bounced on that stuff once it started getting real douchey. So you know, I'm glad you say that because that, I, I started a CrossFit gym back in uh, 2013, 2014. It only made it a year, but it was a uh, it's not an easy thing to do. And then no. we also we also know like how much CrossFit's changed over the years. Uh, it's you know it's there's a lot of like, hidden hours running a gym people don't understand yeah <laughs> you yeah know? and uh, you know you you, you yeah. pay a lot of money for uh, a bunch of words to put them on the side of your building but yep. that's, that's about all you get out of it but uh yeah I didn't I didn't do that well so I, I ended up selling all my equipment and just keeping enough for the basement and you know that's where I get after for it now. Sure. So. yeah so like how, well, how, I just got a, I'm sorry go ahead no I'm sorry I was interrupting you. Uh, yeah, I just got uh, hired as an EMT with the fire district, so that's probably my, uh, you know, not transition away from having a gym, but definitely my transition away from, like, being dependent upon the gym. That's funny. That's exactly what I did uh, when, uh, when, I was, when I decided I wasn't going to do the, uh, you know, the gym ownership anymore. I was like, I started off with an EMT, now I'm a paramedic. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I actually had to drop out of paramedic school to get the uh, the job. <laughs> I tested, and then it was some weird thing where they um they like took applications but didn't test for like a month and a half, and then out of nowhere they're like, "We're doing a test." I was like, "Well, I got to get my name on the list, whatever, you know." Yeah. And then I uh got number one on the list, and they're like, "You want a job?" And I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> well, that's definitely where you want to go. Like, you definitely don't want to just be like it, it sucks just being a paramedic. You definitely if you. If you've had the option, like go fire and then go be a paramedic, but just a paramedic by itself, it's just a kick in the dick on a daily basis. Um, but so um, let's uh, why don't you go ahead and just like when did you when did you start fishing and how did you end up in a kayak? Yeah. Um. So I think I have a pretty um I would say for a Northwest guy, I kind of have a atypical route. Um. I grew up in in Reno, Nevada, till I was like in middle school, and every summer I'd go spend time with my family in Utah. So like I was way far away from salmon and all that stuff that you think of when you hear you know Northwest. And right. uh, I pretty much came up, dude. I don't even know how old, maybe four or five years old. I caught my first fish because it's all it's all cricks up there, you know. So crick right. fishing with my uncles and that was just kind of the thing, you know, my grandma, she's a special ed teacher and, you know, in the summertime she had all this time off. So she would just take the old international and me and my uncles would go fish. And it was pretty much like, you know, go be free. And, uh, I'm going to say, read some books and try not to kill each other. <laughs> you know? so right, 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 it was right. like good fishing, good, you know, you learn a lot, I think. And then, you know, yeah, you're out there, you know, getting in fist fights with your uncles and still fishing or whatever, you know, <laughs> like it's just mayhem. But uh, so my my introduction to fishing, I think, um, was good in a way because I started out with small fish and I started out with sneaky fish and I started out, you know, real small creeks and learning how to put sneak on fish and all that kind of right. stuff. So um, 
and that that was my introduction to fishing and then from there i pretty much just love it and it's like catch everything i can i don't i don't really i'm not a species specialist i'm a I will say that I'm very fortunate to live where I live. So I do, I'm very close to a lot of really big trout. And so that ends up being something that, you know, not very many people are sitting around, you know, daydreaming about the bass fishing of Oregon, you know? Right, right, right. So So now are you, uh, is it mainly saltwater or is it, or is it both for you Um, up up north? I'm I'm both. I'm about three hours away from the Oregon coast. So I don't fish the coast that often usually try to make it over there two or three times a year. That's going to change probably next year a little more. As I start working a little more, I might have to be a little more diligent about planning trips instead of just like off the cuff, you know, right. bouncing. Um, well, but I, I would the reason, say the reason I'm curious is because uh, I like you or not like you, but like, I'm kind of like you in the sense that I got, I live in an area where I'm really lucky to uh, have the, the fisheries I have. Um, it, but I'm not, you know, my, everything I have here is landlocked. Um, but you know, I live up in the uh, the northeast. I live below. Uh, I live right around Lake Ontario, so I'm doing a lot of. Or I'm not doing. I just I'm gonna start. I want to start. Uh, you know, for the last year or two years, I've been you know just chasing them up bass. And you know, there was an mm-hmm. event. That, there was an event that happened. I was out there. I was trying to catch a bass. Had all my small tackles on my kayak. And there, there was these dudes who were on uh, like John boats. And I didn't know what they were doing. They were, like they looked like they were just like bottom fishing because at the mouth of the river, where it goes into the uh, Lake Ontario, it's real deep. Probably about 30, 30 40 feet deep and you know I, I didn't know what they were trying to catch and then you know I'm, I'm sitting there trying to catch my little my little uh bass off of you know our dockers and I was gonna hear one go stream like fish on I turn to look and he there's something dragging this kayak or not this kayak <laughs> this dragging is a john boat with like three guys on it and I'm like what what do they got and, and, I, and I'm watching them watching they're fighting they're fighting and they bring up this huge ass fish I think it was I thought it was a steelhead but that's because I don't know what a steelhead is yeah, uh, it, it could have been like anything from like a steelhead to a uh, you know a king salmon or whatever. But I was just like, why am I over here constantly trying to catch these dumbass bass when, <laughs> you know, when when these dudes are catching like these these whales off the bottom of the you know the yeah. river or whatever? Because you know, I guess that you know when the winter when it gets close to like fall, the uh, salmon start staging at the mouth of the river, yeah. get ready to get ready to do the runs up here. And For I was sure. curious, is that kind of like what you're except you got the ocean? Uh, yeah, close to, is so, that kind of similar situation that you have? Um, kind of in a way. I mean, in in some ways, yes. In many ways, no. Um, be, just just because the you know the sheer size of like Lake Ontario is hard to you know what I mean. If right. anyone goes, oh yeah, it's just like that. It's like bullshit, dude. <laughs> you know, right, like things right, right, right. massive. Um, but what we have here is we have a couple of strains of trout, um, particularly um, our strain of the red band trout, which is um, a subspecies of rainbow trout, gets particularly big. Like it's not uncommon to catch them over five pounds regular, like every trip. Yeah. And uh, we have a very big lake next to us but not like you know let's just be real the the great lakes are practically inland seas you know i'm from the gulf coast originally that's what it, it looks like an ocean to me when people say yeah there's probably sharks in there be careful yeah so like my lake is 20 miles by 12 miles wide so that's a big lake right but like compared to ontario that's nothing um and we have three rivers that go into that, and because of that, we are in a situation where the life cycle is called fluvial. That basically means trout are able to spawn and rear in the rivers and then go to the lake and get big and then come back. You know, that's what that means. As far as the difference, you know, fluvial basically means that they go to, from the river to the lake, back to the river again, and then, you know, what you normally would hear in regards to salmon is anadromous, which means they go from the river to the ocean and back. Right. And uh, so because of that, we're not cracking like 15, 20 pounds like you would steelhead, um, like in your neck of the woods and stuff. But um, that's just because, I mean, honestly, it's bigger water. You know, it is right. what it is. Uh, well, we, know we yeah. also have the, uh, not to cut you off, but um, it's, it's not just the Great Lake we have. We also have like the Finger Lakes. Um, yeah. And then we also have those all those bodies because all our bodies of water at one point it's, they're all glacier lakes they're all yeah and then they're all coming they're all being pretty much fed you know off by the rivers that run to and back from uh, you know, Lake Ontario so 
don't know if you know about what we have, like, you know, the Fanger Lakes, which are really deep lakes, at least, you know, as far as I'm mm-hmm. concerned. You know, a lake shouldn't be, you know, two, three hundred feet deep. But, you know, in the middle of these, these Fanger Lakes, and people are catching, um, you know, these big brown trouts, um, and different kind of – I don't think they catch salmons in, in the uh, the finger. I think it's all, like, trout. Uh, okay. like, um, now, that, that's got to be somewhat slimmer, right? Because those lakes aren't that – I mean, yeah. they're deep. They're, they're deep. Yeah, they're, so, like, my lake trout lakes are at their deepest part. They're 300 feet deep. Okay. And that's right. one thing that I would say that's kind of different about the West Coast versus the East Coast and even kind of your neck of the woods is um, – to say the lake is 300 feet deep is, yeah, that's deep, but no one really bats an eye at that because all of our reservoirs are over 100 feet deep. You know, like right. Shasta, I've I've paddled across Shasta and seen like 400 feet on the graph. Okay. And, and that's just because we got the mountains, dude. So when they put a dam up somewhere, you're going to be dealing with, and depending on the time of the year, I mean, Shasta is a great example of a reservoir that, you can go there and it'll be like a hundred feet from the tree line where the old water line used to be. And you're still in 200 feet of water, barely even going. But yeah, I mean, so basically big story there is that, yeah, I mean, we have a lot of waters where big trout will start congregating at the mouths of rivers, just like they do where you're at. Um, For the same reason um, for me, when I'm targeting trout, usually um, my place is a very, kind of unique scenario um the trout in my neck of the woods have to go to what you would call like thermal refuges so right the, uh, the lake is my lake even though i said how deep a lot of lakes are klamath lakes average depths only 12 feet so the lake heats up yeah the lake heats up in the summertime and that pushes the trout to these thermal refuges that you then have to target and try to try to catch them and all that yeah. kind of stuff yeah, it seems like it's pretty easy here. Not easy, but like, because we have the same kind of same issue. But you know, our lakes are narrow, and you'll see, uh, you know, because like I said, they're, they're just glacier lakes. They, they formed when the glaciers did what they did like a million years ago. But uh, you'll see like the people trolling just the middle of the lake, or like, you know, or all the deepest, just trolling, trolling and trolling and trying to catch the uh, the yeah. big browns and stuff. But yeah, I'm not much of a troller. Um... I do it from time to time, but it's probably my uh, probably pretty high up there on my top three least favorite ways to fish. So, well, well, how did you end up? You know, I, I'm pretty sure I cut you off and stopped you in your story. You know, you started off down there in like the Nevada area, and you move up to the Northeast. Let's go back to like how you got back into a kayak, and because obviously yeah. you, you start off doing you you start off fishing like small small, small fish, creeks. and then and yeah. the next thing I know. You're pulling up these huge, you know, trout. For sure. Yeah, so let's go, let's go about back there. And like, <laughs> let's get you to a fucking kayak before we go yeah. any further. So. so basically, I grew up, um, my grandpa is a big-time fisherman in Flaming Gorge up in Wyoming. And um, my dad has a nice boat, and he fishes. So I grew up trolling <laughs> as much as I hate it, right? But um, – you know, I grew up pretty much being the deckhand on my pop's boat whenever we went out, and we'd go out a lot when I was younger. And um, I joined the Navy, did all that, came back, and my pops kind of not really got out of fishing. He just he's been super busy with his career, and you know, all the kids are a little bit older, so he's got to you know my he's got to you know run all over the place, chase my siblings around, you know. Yeah. And um. Anyways, I'd, I'd seen fishing kayaks before that, and, you know, the price tag on them was like four or five grand, you know, and that was, you know, the first time I saw fishing kayaks was up in Washington when I was stationed at Whidbey Island, and they were all rocking the Hobie Revos or PAs, and, you know, at the time, I was just kind of like, why don't you buy a boat? <laughs> That's what yeah. I thought in my head, you know, it was like four grand, buy, buy a boat, you know, and um, anyway, so our outdoor shop in town had some fuel freeze one day and um you know before that i was fishing a lot from the bank but i was always annoyed because i knew i need to get out in the water you know and um so the kayak just made sense because you you know you're out there you're fishing from the bank and you're like dude if i could just get to that point you know if i could just get to that point and then around me there's so much um to be done fishing wise that 
it's kind of like you just know, especially growing up, you know, deckhanding on my dad's boat. It's like, man, if I had a boat, I'd be slaying it. And um, these fishing kayaks, it was like a feel-free lure was the one I saw. And, you know, the price point on that was coming in at like 12 1300 bucks and i was like oh shit you know i was like that's that's okay that's attainable that's reasonable maybe i can get in and get going and um my girlfriend at the time who's now my wife uh, made the biggest mistake of her life and and bought me one for christmas and um (laughs) and you know if she could go back in time dude she would never done it but uh anyway so um what she didn't know about me was that before i joined the navy i i would pretty much just have a 1022 and a fishing pole in the truck at all times and so like when i was working i'd get off work and go shoot squeaks or go fish you know every day so as soon as i got that kayak just my mind blew up and i was just kind of like here we go you know like this is awesome you know and um so i started fishing the rivers around me in a kayak a lot because a lot of our rivers had private property and you can't really get to them. So a kayak just like blew it up. Like, here you go. Right. And, uh, the fishing around here is awesome. You know, like my last day I fished on the Williamson with my buddy, Chris, that I do the podcast with. Um, I caught 33 trout that day. And I think 20 plus of those were over 24 inches. So like five pounders, I caught like 25 pounders that day. This is all, that was all yeah. pretty recent. I, I listened to your last podcast. I did a recap of uh, – Yeah, because we pretty, did a yeah. bunch of crazy stuff in the last couple months of fall. We really sent it. <laughs> you know, yeah. like we went hard. Um, mostly just because my job with the fire department starts up uh, beginning of January, you know. So I'm trying to yeah. get it in <laughs> before I got to get serious, you know. Right, right. Uh, but, yeah, man. So that was uh, – a how did I get into a kayak? It was that, you know, and then, um, through, through that, you know, something that's very, uh, kind of almost counterculture to kayak fishing is guys catching trout. I yeah. Mean, that's, what I, that's what I'm really excited about talking to you about this. You know, it really is a bass driven. And, uh, you know, the fact that you, I guess it's like, I only know when I first got into, it, there's only like two, two main types, like the people who chase the bass. And then obviously the people who do the crazy shit on the offshore, and and the the saltwater fishing. Um, I didn't didn't really see a lot about uh, trout until I started listening to uh, your show. Um, yeah. So, so how, I mean, I mean, obviously, you know, you came from the uh, a deckhand, which is always, you know, if I, if I could ever start my life over again, it would have been to uh, go be a deckhand somewhere and learn all the you know the crazy shit that uh, you learned from being a deckhand. Um, is that kind of where you took with you and you took it and you just took it, you just switched it over to a kayak? Yeah, I mean, like a lot of the principles, I mean, I'm obviously, you know, um, pretty fortunate to have some really good fishermen in my life. So growing up, you know, I've had guys that were pretty game pretty much since the beginning. And I think one thing that's fortunate for me is all those guys that were really good were, um, they were multi-species guys so i think i would have been very susceptible to like getting sucked into bass land you know like when i was younger um but a lot of the old g's that i hung out with they would just catch anything you know they were down for whatever um so that and then yeah you know some of that stuff um you know when i say deckhand and for my pops i mean you know i'm the one loading and unloading the boat and the trailer and driving and all that kind of stuff he's not a guide or anything i mean my dad my dad could be one. I mean, he's that's, good enough. That's what, that's what I was be saying. Because you when know, I up, when I grew up in Panama City, Florida, like we go, we could go be deckhands, and then we take yeah. the uh, tours to go do, you know, offshore fishing. Totally. Or, yeah, that's what I, I mean, was I've done that probably forty times with family members. Yeah. <laughs> they pretty much get a guided trip out of my pops whenever they come visit, you know. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not like a deckhand in that sense, but. I'm a deckhand most definitely in the knowing how to run a boat, knowing how to get people on fish and being told, Hey boy, go get that. <laughs> you know? So, so like I, I mean, maybe being a deckhand would have been better because I would have got tips, you know, family right, members right. never tip. Me. Um, but, you know, so, so, so I, how uh, did you, uh, how did you actually uh, you know, decide to go? Cause from what it sounds like in the pocket, I know you're a multi-species guy. I know, you know, you'll go down and you'll go fish with Mike Anderson, you know, if he asks you to go yeah. catch some bass with him. 
Um, and I know you talked to a lot of different uh, types of anglers on your show, but like, what was it about the uh, like the trout world that kind of like drew you in? You know, cause mm-hmm. you're right. You're, you're right. Like right now, if you if you were just to Google kayak fishing, you know, the kayak bass fishing scene is huge right now. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, for me, honestly, and like I wouldn't bullshit you. The way I look at it is, um, when I say I live in a very special place, I mean like I live in probably the best place in the lower 48 to catch a five plus pound rainbow trout that's native. Mm-hmm. Um, I got buddies that are guides and I know friends that have friends that are guides in Alaska and we hang with Alaska as far as rainbow trout are concerned. So the reason it just kind of happened was because one, I'm not a species, you know, specific guy. And two, if you live in a place, you know, just to put it down there, like you're in Panama city, right? So like, you know, if I live in it, I'm the kind of guy where if I live in a town where I can catch the biggest fucking tarpon in the world, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying it's the only thing I'll do, but you ain't going to come visit me and have me be like, well, I don't really fish for tarpon. You know, like, I'd be like, right, yeah, I right. catch them, but, you know, I don't want to break my arm off either. So let's fish for snook or something, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get you on one, but we need to, you know, we need to do other things with our life and fight a fish for five hours. But so right. for me, it's just, you know, when you literally are 10 minutes away from a blue ribbon river. Um, two Blue Ribbon Rivers, actually. The Williamson River is a world-famous fly-fishing river, um, like top 100 rivers in the world. Um, it's very um, – I think it's almost a disservice to live in a place like that and not kind of be a student of the game where you live. You know, yeah. if, you're, if you're forcing bass fishing in a place with fucking tiny bass – you're a dumbass. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, then, hey, that's kind of where I'm at now. Like, you know, I definitely – we have good bass up here in upstate New York. And everyone, yeah, you probably dude, know, you guys if, got some smallies, like no uh, joke. Yeah, I mean, if you, if, <laughs> if you want to say about, uh, you know, like, you know, the, you know, the kayak bass fishing tournaments, everyone knows that Greg Blanchard, when he first started, that's where most of his videos were. Like, we got fish up here. Yeah. But like you, I live in a very unique area where I had that, you know, I'm, I'm literally a 10-minute drive from Lake Ontario. I have – really good river systems i have all these anything not, not not just the big fish come out there but we got these weird musky tiger looking they, yeah. don't, they don't they don't exist in florida they got these dinosaur looking fish uh mm. that, that you can catch and you know walleye and i'm at this point now we're like i had a great you had a fun season yesterday but i also i don't want to let myself because it has to be fun to hook on a uh hook on somebody's fit like especially like a steelhead on a kayak it has to be fun it has to be it has well, to be a ride you know so i mean Rainbow trout's the fastest freshwater fish. A steelhead is, at least. They're the fastest freshwater fish. So yeah. that's your answer. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right, 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 right. But, you know, like trying to get into it, but I, I think the hardest part about getting into it um, is, it, you know, it took me a long time to figure out just how to be efficient at bass, you know, you know, catching bass, you know, the strategies. And so when I go look at, um, you know, I was looking at getting into uh, you know, some of those bigger fish from the, the, the big lake. Um yeah, you know, they're different. They 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 hang out in different depths. They hang out. Um, they their yeah. feeding patterns are different. Yeah, yeah, Everything yeah. about them is uh is different, which is a new challenge. But it's just like, you know, I was gonna do it, and as soon as I started getting into it, I'm like, oh shit, this is overwhelming. There's a, you know, like, where do you begin? Do I even have a kayak yeah. big enough? Or, you know, shit like that. Like, like what yeah. Do, what are you doing? Like, what? Um, so I I kind of I guess if I was gonna give people advice out there on where to start um a couple things i would say out the gate is there's this i think for a bass guy transitioning to fishing for trout there's this huge misconception among a lot of bass anglers that like trout just eat power bait there you know how many times have you heard someone be like well trout that's just bass food (laughs) you know and it's like I always kind of shudder when I hear that because I catch more five pound trout than anybody catches five pound bass unless they're on a private pond. But uh, the reason I always shudder though is because they eat meat, man. You know what I mean? You look at a big trout, whether it's a brown or a rainbow or a cutthroat, they got business on the front end. They got big teeth. Um, You know, I don't blame anyone for kind of thinking that when you look at all the fish that come out of the hatchery, they got this like, you know, kind of stunted retarded mouth but if you look at like the fish i catch they don't look retarded they got yeah, a look, giant mouth yeah and they, they got like big ass teeth. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, like so. So for me, the way I always look at stuff is um, whenever I go to a different body of water and multi species, my 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 primary thing in my head is like, so what's the forage base, you know? And and so like you know, a lot of people out there they don't get as geeky as I do. Like they don't have peer reviewed articles on their computer at home on lake trout yeah. from like 1961 or whatever, you know, like whatever. But for me. I look at the forage base. I look at when their spawning periods are um, because that gets me an idea of when they're going to start putting the feed sack on, just like bass, dude. You know what I mean? Like everyone tries to act like bass are special bullshit. They're just like any other fish, man. They have the same requirements. They got to bang. They got to make new ones. (laughs) and They got to fight. You know what I mean? Like that's it. So when I'm looking at it, um, you know, I'm looking at it like, okay, so they got to bang finding where they spawn is probably one of the easier things compared to bass because most trout need like running water and they need gravel, you know? So like, that's where you get into the whole like mouths of the rivers or whatever, you know what I'm saying? And then from there, I just kind of work backwards. And then the other thing I do is I'm looking at um, something that's real common up here and it's like perfect for Browns and for big Lakers is that the kokanee spawn um, about a month before the brown trout and the lake trout do and kokanee are just landlocked salmon yeah we got, we got them we got so them up here yeah so they die every four years you know they spawn right. and they die and yep. you know so if you're a big brown trout or lake trout or whatever i mean that's basically just like a half dead twinkie you know <laughs> like floating down the river and so they're putting the meat on you know and that's like so for me it's like the you know okay so start lining and lining some stuff up. It's just like, you know, it's just like when bass are smashing bluegill and sunfish on the beds. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, right. whatever, man. They don't care. It's the same idea. You're like, okay, at least with sunfish, it's a little easier in some ways because you know exactly where they're going to spawn in most lakes. You're like, okay, got to be under like five feet of water. There's like some sand. You know what I mean? You just start right. running, through, running through that process. And I think... um. That's my advice for most people is, you know, forget forget the bullshit about like, you know, trout or bass food because there's a whole lot more 20-pound trout than there are bass, so whatever, right. you know. But um, the big thing is is that, that meat's meat, you know, something that, yeah. you know, what's the difference between a jaguar and a lion? Well, they're both <laughs> bigger, but what do they do? They both fucking eat impalas, you know, like so right. when are you going to find a jaguar or a lion? um probably you know or a leopard or whatever you know you gotta maybe figure out where the impala are you know (laughs) like and then and then oh they all go to the same watering hole oh they do okay well they're probably gonna get jacked by one of those two things there you know so for me that's how i kind of approach all my fishing um and then from there i will say there's some you know what motivates me as a fisherman and why we do my podcast and how I am so motivated in what I'm doing is kind of different than a lot of people. Like some people like to fish just to fish. Right. And um, Good for them, man. No, you know, nothing on them. That's just good for you. You know, I like to fish because I like to problem solve. I never go out when I'm fishing. I never go out and get skunked and just go, Oh, they weren't biting. Like I'm the grumpiest asshole in the world when I get skunked and it has nothing to do with, um, anything other than when I go home, I think to myself how stupid I am for not being able to figure it out. Right. Um, and the reason I say that is because when I, I believe in 99% of cases, if you even remotely think about it from this perspective and the perspective I'm saying is that if you think about it like this, every day you fight to the death to survive and every day you have to go murder something to survive, you know, like think about that and then you go, okay, if that's my life, why would I just decide not to eat one day? Right. There might be reasons, but then tell me why 10 of those kinds of people would decide not to eat one day. You know, like you're like, wait a yeah. second. No, <laughs> one of them will. You know what I mean? One of them. Mm-hmm. So I look at fish primarily almost through the lens of like they're just an algorithm. I'm just trying to find out what in their algorithm needs to, you know, what boxes need to be checked for them to, right. you know put their mouth on that thing and like with bass one of the things i love about bass fishing which carries over to trout i think good in the sense of why i'm like a multi-species guy 
his bass came in on colors. So did trout, you know, like there's some days where you're like the fucking black and blue jig is God, you know? And then there's right. some days where black and blue jig is shit. And if you're running just green pumpkin, you're the man, you know? And so with yeah. trout, it's the same story. You know, you can, um, if you want to get any more weird about it, just look at fly fishing, dude. How yeah. many different types of flies are there? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, so, so when guys try to tell me that trout are dumb, I'm like, I don't know, dude. If you really want to like run, run that one down for a while, it's the same, you know? Right. Um, so that's, that's kind of my mindset is I'm running, running wherever I'm at. I'm kind of going through the algorithm. And yeah. I think one thing that makes me, um, successful is that if something's not working i'm i'm mindful of what i'm doing and why i'm doing it and there's a lot of people i fish with that they just do it because and if you were like hey man why are you doing that they would be like i don't know you're like okay that's dumb (laughs) you know like (laughs) we're like every really good tournament angler i've been around the thing that separates a tournament angler and from what I'm doing is just the fact that they got the wisdom and the experience to make that change right. to the right that's, thing. Yeah, sooner. that's, that's, that's the biggest difference. Because if you got you got two you got two two hundred people out there fishing, and only you know five or ten guys are really crushing the fish out there, it's, they're they're doing like they're it's like you said like they're figuring out some kind of algorithm or figuring out some like they're solving yeah. the problems while the rest of us are just mindlessly throwing a chatterbait into the grass, yeah. mindlessly throwing them and, and hoping that, and hoping that this time's gonna be better than the last. You know, 5,000 times that you did that. A day, perfect yeah. example, right? Are you throwing a chatterbait through the grass or are you ripping a trap through the grass? Sometimes it's a different game. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you could kill a chatterbait and it's going to sink like a jig and maybe they hit it on the fall. Or, or if you're running like a floating crankbait, you can kill it and it'll start slowly floating up. Maybe they want that shit. I mean, that's right. that's yeah. the kind of stuff when I get around really good dudes, they're doing that shit on purpose. You know, they're not using a balsa crankbait just because they're like, I don't know, I like the color. They're like, no, man, I'm trying to, you know, burn it and then let it float, burn it and let it float. Or chatterbait guys, same story. They're like, hey, man, I'm trying to go, you know, 15 to 20 feet is where I'm trying to be. So I'm running a three quarter, not a half, you know, and that's, I think that's, um, if there was any real advice for people out there, it's like, it's the same and the only difference is, is the techniques you have to master to be able to, uh, you know, because the behaviors of the fish, you know, bass are very structure oriented. They're very ambush predator. We're so we just went from like, yeah, if we're using the African analogy, you know, the the leopard jaguar thing, that's an ambush predator, falls out of a tree, marks something, runs back up the tree. We're talking about like those like running dogs that just run things to death because nothing can keep up. You know, so the trout are not going to be as structure oriented, but they are going to be like, because they live in a different world, right? A bass knows if I get, if that thing's the right size and I open my mouth, it fits in my mouth and I win. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like that's their game. Where like a trout on the other hand is like, I can catch anything out there. Nothing outruns me, you know, nothing's going to beat me in a race. So how do I conserve my calories so that I'm not just burning out right like i have to feed at optimal times where my calorie expenditure is in conjunction with optimal feeding right so it's the same as like bass where you're like okay how many times have you seen a bass that won't bite but if you put a senko in front of it it just can't help itself yeah i can't help it yeah you know it's like i have to put my mouth on it. <laughs> you know? so so let me ask you this uh you're multi-species guys do you when it comes to like planning, you know, what like not your season, but like your uh, whatever trip you're doing, like are you planning for a Pacific fish or like because I, I remember right back when I used to go fishing like the uh, you know, the flats down in you know, Pennsylvania, City, Florida, you know, the inshore fishing. Like I, I took out, you know, whatever rod I was gonna take out, I can catch a red on it, I can catch a trout on it, I can catch a tarpon on it, you know, like mm-hmm. so I, even though I was going for the reds, you know, I wasn't afraid to catch anything else, but there's a big difference between not a big difference, but there are like you know, the fish that I, that I have up here, the fish you have up there, like. For one, like the salmon and things like that, it's very seasonal and it's very different tackle that you need to to catch. Yeah. Those. Uh, do you- so my normal my normal metric when I'm going to a place, um, and maybe it's not a great idea. I'm not there. You know, there's definitely fly fishermen out there that disagree with me. But um, my normal metric is that you shouldn't be fishing for fish that you can't 
land in 20 minutes. Right. So what I mean by that is I'm not saying Marlin and tarpon and shit, you know what I mean? It's, you know, but like when we're talking bass, trout, salmon, all that kind of stuff, the majority of the time you should be swinging with the right size of bat. And so how I look at it is like around my neck of the woods, I fish with 10 to 12 pound floral and, um, a medium heavy spinning rod, usually about seven foot. That way I can lean on a fish that, you know, cause my average size is five to seven pounds. Every once in a blue moon, I'll get a double digit. And all that means is that it takes me another five, six minutes to land it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's kind of my tackle philosophy. Um, some guys disagree. A lot of lake trout fishermen totally disagree with me. They like running real light shit and um you know to each their own my reasoning for not doing it is i don't like playing fish to the point they die um right if you're catching 17 to 25 pound lake trout and you're using 10 pound tests you're kind of a dipshit in my opinion um just because yeah you can do it but then after 45 minutes um survivability is not that great you know and so for me I run a little heavier gear. I'm running 15 pound fluoro with a 35 pound braid main line and, you know, 4,000, yeah. you know, I'm run, I'm, I run bigger stuff for bigger fish. Like my sturgeon rod is like a hundred pound braid with a 70 pound leader. And yeah. it's like a baseball bat. But I mean, you target, so like when you're going, like, let's, let's just say like what you and uh, your boy Chris and all you guys did like the other weekend or in, in fall, like you guys are targeting trout. It's not like you guys were targeting trout and bass like you went out there with the intention of catching trout right do do you plan stuff like that and then if you want to go catch bass you go out there to catch bass is that no because it's like um for me i go places where i want to catch what the place the best thing the place has to offer right so for me and you'll laugh at this a lot of the biggest trout that i catch i catch on a ned rig (laughs) get the fuck out of here (laughs) dead serious dude yeah meets meat man me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What does a right? three and a half inch baby fish look like? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. And so for me, yeah, man, I, uh, you know, a six to 10 inch kokanee seems to look very much like a anchovy or a herring. So if you were going to look in my box at the jigs I use for um, cutthroat trout or lakers, you would see the same shit you would see in a tuna fisherman's box as far as like um, steel running steel jigs. They'll be a little smaller because I'm not trying to be like a bonito or something, but it's it's gonna yeah. be it's gonna be like a six to seven inch jig that's gonna weigh three to four ounces, and right. I'll catch trout on that. You know, contrary to the popular opinion of a lot of people out there that think you only catch trout on a power bait, I seem to catch a lot of trout on things that look like meat. Yeah. Okay. So, so, um, rod selection and stuff, man, I'm pretty, like I said, I run, I run with a heavy quiver, man. I I don't really have much that you would consider like, uh, I don't fish with ultralight gear. I don't have little dainty rods, man. I'm running like, uh, you know, um, let me think here. My, my bold trout setup was a Dobbins. Uh, medium heavy fast action rod that I throw my six inch um, Z-Man swim baits on a three quarter ounce head. Yeah, that, does, that's what I caught bull trout on. <laughs> <laughs> so like I don't, um, yeah, I guess that would be the revelation, bro, is that I'm not, um, I'm not doing anything. A lot of the bass guys aren't doing. The difference is, sa- I just, that's what it sounds I don't like. believe that one or the other. You know what I mean? Like, I don't believe that it's one or the other. It's, you know, the difference, the primary difference is just the behavior of the fish, not whether or not it eats the same food, but whether or not, you know, look right. at a bass. It's fat and stumpy, you know, yeah. super, super powerful. And just, you know, is a Goliath grouper the same thing as a bull shark? No, right? Yeah. Like, this different game. They hunt different, but what do they do? They all eat the same shit. Yeah, they so I look flesh. at it. So I look at my trout fishing very similarly. Like um, my worm rod 
is the same as my Ned Rig rod, which is the same rod I use when I'm fishing bass tournaments or when I'm fishing for trout. Um, the only difference would be is sometimes on my Ned Rig rod, I'll, I'll size up on the fluoro just cause trout have big teeth. Yeah. And that's, but like, you know, same, 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 everything's same as far as that's concerned. I mean, it's just like anything else, you know, you talk to a lot of guys that are fishing a Ned Rig and they catch a big crappie on it and they're like, well, wow, that's so crazy. It's like, no, it's not. Yeah, they, they want to eat. Want to crop the minnows, <laughs> you know, like yeah. they're game, man. They don't care. Um, I've caught brown trout that had stalker rainbows in their belly. I caught a six pound brown that had three stalker eight inch rainbow trout in its gut. Yeah, they're, they're all and fish, I know right? Guys catch them on huds. I know guys that catch brown trout on huds on accident, trying to fish for bass in a few of the reservoirs around here. They'll They'll go fishing for bass and end up catching a couple of browns on Huddlestons. Yeah, that happens a lot up here, uh, especially uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of the, yeah, the deeper lakes that we have up here. Like the, you'll go out there and you'll, you'll be trying to catch smallmouth because you know smallmouth they'll, they'll, they're they're kind of more yeah. of a deeper a deeper fish than compared to the mm-hmm. uh, the largemouth. And so you'll be out there trying to catch a smallmouth and you'll catch a brown trout using a uh, you know whatever whatever like, like you said the same thing you would the same thing that the Dude, smallmouth shad wrap crushes it with trout. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so uh, let's go. You know, we'll wrap this up in a little bit, but you know, I want you to talk about your show because it's one of my favorite shows. Like I said, I've been listening to it for a while. Like when I first got into kayak fishing, like you guys were like the only one I think that I could find the content on. I mean, there's a bunch now, and also I got one now. Yeah. So like, eventually, our you know our, our shit will be saturated just like everything else is. Yeah. But uh, you know, um, well, how did you guys start it? Why did you? Because like, one thing that I like about yours is that your guys, you're right, yours is like outside what I would you're the north. Even though you talk to a lot of the same people that I hear on other podcasts. Um, you guys, you guys are different. Like you're, you're not really in the tournament scene as much. You'll talk to people who win tournaments, but like, you're kind of like me where like, you just want to talk to a little bit of everyone. Um, how'd you yeah. guys get into that? Uh, what, what are your guys plans with it? What's, you know, what's the future? What's, what's 2020 going to look like for you guys? Yeah. So we, um, Chris Sartain, my, my buddy and I, um, we got into it mostly. I had an idea one day where I was like, dude, we should start a podcast. And then of course, he was like, cool, yeah, we should, you know, and then it was like, all right, so we started it. Um, the main impetus was is that every fishing podcast that I had seen so far at that time, I mean, I think I would have to look when we actually started, we almost three years ago now. Um, they were all pretty uh, like a shameless self-promotion, you know, right. like every podcast out there was really just someone trying to sell you something. And I'm, I'm not that I'm against monetizing or any of that. I just, you know, like a, a pretty common one was there was like a blue water kayak fishing podcast. And all that was was a dude promoting his kayak fishing tournament, you know, and, and like good for him. Right. For the people that are real into that shit. Perfect. Good for them, you know. And for me, it was kind of like um, pretty organic in the sense that I didn't have a particular like this is what we want to be you know um what i wanted to do is i wanted to talk to as many different people as possible in as many different places and find out how they catch the fish they catch and um you know two, two years down the road what i found out is it's all the same <laughs> you know like <laughs> yeah. it's it's the same right like pretty much what we talked about tonight is pretty much the same as what everyone else is and in fact the only thing i think we didn't touch on was maybe um just technical mastery of the of the mechanics of some things you know like yeah throwing a big swim bait or you know if you really like cranking you should probably get a glass rod or you know that kind of stuff just to right. maximize technical proficiency but as far as like yeah the fish everyone we've talked to so far it's pretty much just been the same story like does it eat meat yes, yes. okay what does the meat look like where it's at cool okay let's do that <laughs> you know what i mean like it's right. that simple um but uh yeah so chris and i started the podcast um uh, yeah it's the yak tactics podcast and um a couple things we wanted to do was talk to guys fishing uh, we do a couple beer so it's probably two or three times a year we just drink beer and talk shit um and then the other thing was we kind of wanted to talk about the industry a little bit because it has blown up even in the last like three years it's really exploded and um you know like so many things out there um yeah i i think the last like five months especially once anchor came out 
um people really started going like man i just gotta buy a microphone and i can do my own podcast too and yeah. um i'm totally into that so i'm like sure man do it i mean we don't even monetize ours right now because um you know looking into 2020 how do i see our podcast going um probably try to get back to some more technical elements of the fishing game um but like i said we've pretty much we've we've done panama we've done alaska we've done all these you know we've even done one with a, a good guy around your neck who was rob wendell he's mm -hmm. a great great lakes fisherman i mean he's a guide out there pretty much what we found was it's like it's all the same shit <laughs> you yeah. <know>? Like, <laughs> yeah so so now we're at a point now where um we're just trying to kind of grow our network of fishermen and the thing i think i could say this confidently for both chris and i is um the podcast has paid us huge dividends outside of mon like money just the fact that we've met some cool dudes and that right. we've been able to go fish with some of those guys like mike Henson you brought up and and go kick it have a couple beers and like actually fish with some cool guys i think has been huge um yeah one thing in our podcast that I'm sure you've heard already is I definitely um, I don't I don't pull any punches as far as like the people that want to be sponsored. And they can't even catch fish or, right, you know, right, some right. dipshit goes and buys 2000 followers on Instagram and then starts pimping himself all over, you know, the town for trying to get a sponsorship. And I, uh, you know, we kind of do what we can do to try to make people not get into fishing for that reason. Um, right. Just because it's, it's, you know, a, a chick with fake boobs and a bikini is going to fucking smoke us as far as <laughs> views. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, there, no, there's yeah, a I know exactly what you're chick that wears a bikini and sells calendars, and she's, like, half retarded. So, when, you, when, I mean, you, when you say it, it reminds me of, because, like, me and you can both, you know, kind of, you know, vouch for this, but, like, I remember, you know, CrossFit. Like, uh, pe people are uh, getting famous and they've never made it to you know regional or I don't know if they don't have yeah. but I mean like you know like I, I know guys uh you or know, they're doing steroids but they're lying about it and then they're like right. yeah man totally you natural know. <laughs> you know and yeah, like... but, I mean but you look, you look at CrossFit everyone's getting sponsored by a booty short you know company or something like that you know we're you know back in the yeah, day yeah my ten percent discount code yeah and it's just like everything is saturated everything eventually turns into marketing and everything you know and then. Yeah. It does suck for the guys who are actually out there really crushing. I mean, when I, I hate to, I can't remember his name, the guy that won the uh, the national championship, uh, the KBF national championship last year. I was just, I was just looking around. I found him on Instagram. He's had like, you know, it, it, I'm not saying anything's bad, it, but it is what it is. Like he had like 700 followers compared to, you know, to like some of these other people who have yeah. like 20, 30,000 followers. But like, dude, this guy, yeah. he's the, he's the best of the best of the best. Like. You know, like save some followers for him, or you know what I mean. The grant he yeah. doesn't put it to market himself, but you know, it's like like you said, like there's this part of it, you know, the fishing world where it's it's coming down to these weird niches that people are getting and finding. Yeah. So. And so for me, like when we look into the future for our podcast and stuff, um, we're just gonna keep talking to people that we that we find interesting or that we think can have a lot to provide, um, and then you know, none Chris nor I. I look at fishing in two categories, right? There's guys like me that like to problem solve and they get real geeked out on going to places they're not familiar with and trying to be successful there. And then there's gamblers. And that is the majority of the bass fishing scene. Yeah. Um, and that's not a bad thing, dude. I like playing poker myself, but like there's a reason the same five dudes end up at the table at the World Series, right? Like right. it's a skill, 100%. Yeah. But um, for me, the gambling part of it, I don't even – not saying I don't respect a lot of those people, but a lot of those people don't have a wife and a small child. Um, a lot of those people are, like, living off, like, mommy's money, daddy's money. You know what I mean? They, oh, I right. got, like, 10 rentals from my grandpa, and I'm a traveling fisherman. Okay, cool. How much money did you make last year? You know, oh, 20000 Okay, I could do that at McDonald's. You yeah. know, so, like, a lot of that scene – um even though it sounds like i'm bashing it i'm not trying to bash it i'm just you gotta be real about it you know like i fish right. our local uh bass club tourneys and stuff and there's some dudes who just take that shit too serious where i'm like hey man i could win too if i wanted to come out here and fish this same reservoir like five times pre-fishing and then come out here and 
you know, barely win and be like, yeah, man, it's because I'm good. It's like, no, dude, I just like fishing for a lot of other shit. You right. know, <laughs> like right. if my wife cuts me loose six times, I ain't spinning all six at the same spot. It's right, not right. doing it, man. <laughs> like I don't fish to be, you know, the big D, you know, hey, man, Dean Lim showed up. Oh, man. You know, I don't fish for <laughs> other guys to jerk me off and tell me how awesome I am. I fish right, right. purely because I want to catch like big fish and I want to go to places and just kind of be like, what's up? Can I figure yeah. this shit out? You know, and I think, um, you know, even though, like I said, I'm on one end and I'm not saying that there's guys that fish tournaments that aren't like me either, that aren't trying to figure stuff out. I just, I know a few guys that are on like the wild west bass trail and some stuff around here that are like pro-am, you know, kind of getting into the FLW, like Costa series level of dudes. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's gambling. They, they yeah. spend, you know, 50 to a hundred days a year on the road. They're spending a shitload of money. You know, they, I mean, they're not even close to winning um, the big money yet. And they're, they're blowing their wads. And, you know, like I said, I got diapers to buy, um, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> and that's just the, just like poker, man. You know, yeah. like if you want to go to the show, you got to put it out there. And I think, uh, you know, for me, especially living in Oregon, that's why I think our, situation has never been super bass centric is just because of that where we're like hey right. dude you know the kid in, on in tennessee can catch more eight pound bass on his walk home from school than yeah. <laughs> we can see you know and so it's just a different game but yeah, yeah that's us i know that was a little bit of a ramble but that's that's the deal for us is you know chris and i both love fishing we love talking to people and um you know the more the more it gets out and the more people want to get into it, the more I think um, podcasts are awesome, you know, getting getting out there. And um, I know for us, I'm kind of the geeky tech guy as far as ours is concerned. So I'm always looking at our, you know, retention, audience retention, um, trying to make sure that, you know, people aren't just listening in five minutes, you know, they're yeah. listening to you know, right now I think our average retention is somewhere around like 85%. So to be able to hold people's ears for like an hour to two hours is pretty awesome. And, you know, like I said, you meet some cool dudes and then they want to go, go take you fishing. And that's like, fuck yeah. (laughs) You know, like (laughs) money, nothing wrong with that. All right, brother. I appreciate you uh, taking some time tonight. I know you're a busy man. Um, but yeah, thanks man. And, uh, I definitely want to do it again. Uh, I'll be following sure. you guys, and, uh, you know, we'll definitely talk again in the 2020 year. Yeah. All right, brother. You take it easy. Are right, you too.